amazing things about running is how analogous it is to life itself. I mean, those small things you pick on, you learn about, I mean, so many things you can be like, wow, this is so relatable to my running experience. And it helps, I think, in many ways. You know, and you guys know about this, but, you know, the pain you go through, the suffering, um, the amazing times, the hard work, it's very, it's very much um, relatable and important. So, yeah. track friday this is ali this is ann hello hello from the quarantine lands what's going on uh, i'm tired <laughs> i know tell me a coffee story what's like are you out of coffee because that that's an essential part of you know <laughs> every morning i'm definitely not out of coffee but interestingly i've been drinking less coffee because i'm just so busy I get, i'm like forgetting to drink it Excuse me? I know. It's weird. So I've downsized my coffee routine from, I mean, it's kind of boring, but (laughs) 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 I mean, quarantine stories. I basically went from uh, making coffee in a like 12 cup carafe. I would never make 12 cups, but I would make five or six. I wouldn't drink it all, but now I'm doing a French press. So nice. I really only... Yeah, I had my big my big trip to the grocery store and I bought a French press. So I I love coffee, but I'm not a connoisseur to be able to be to say like what's different between like a percolator versus a French press. Do you know? Can you tell? Yeah, I mean, I've never done a controlled experiment using the same coffee grounds. <laughs> However, <laughs> controlled experiment, same amount of wind resistance. <laughs> Same temperature in the room. Got it. Uh, However, the French press is richer. The chances of being able to see through the carafe are a lot lower with the French press than with the 12-cup carafe drip coffee maker. Mm, If we're using the, like, can you see through the glass thing? I mean, yeah, yeah, you can see through the glass. (laughs) Well, you would hope so. That's That's why things are made out of glass, usually. The goal for my coffee making is always to never be able to see through the actual coffee. It's got to be dark. So is it fair to assume that the same coffee in a French press might be stronger? But I guess it depends how much you use. Yeah, it depends how much you use and how long you steep it for. Mm. I did like I did it all wrong the first time. It had been a really long time since I made coffee in a French press, and it was like so strong. I, I had to add water to it. Yeah. Interesting. Speaking of that, you recently had your first cup of coffee from like you got it at a cafe from a window after a really really long time. I know uh, the Garrison uptown up on one eighty one is doing window coffee service, and we got wind of this. And I got two iced oat milk lattes, and I couldn't sleep that night. I was up until three. <laughs> I mean, well, there were other reasons you. why I was up until three, like driving halfway across the state, but that's another yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, I think we should definitely bring that story in. I, at once it has settled, and we're okay to laugh about it publicly. Right? Do we, do we leave funny. that on a cliffhanger? We can leave that as a cliffhanger for now for our for our audience. But like you had like an epic experience within one day, and I, I, we can make like a twenty minute mini episode for it. And I, you know, like, and it's just there, there, there. I mean, there. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know. It was like, uh, like I, after you told me, I'm like, I'm, I'm reading like an Edgar Allan Poe novel, um, <laughs> like a short story. Uh, and I was like, wow, wow, that's wow. Okay, like, I'm glad you're back safe and sound. Um, anyway. Um, next episode. Next episode for sure. Guys. We Hang can on. syndicate the story. We can give like a little bit every couple of weeks. <laughs> well, now it's a series. Great. Um yeah, but you know, hanging in there. Yeah, I'm how are you guys? Sorry. Yeah, we're doing good, you know, in our New York City apartment. Speaking of coffee and measuring things by how much coffee is there, when I was upstate uh, for a month during sort of the, I think it was half of March, half of April, and I literally used my last amount of ground coffee on the last day. I, I had to return the next day. And then That's why I, you came and, back. Yeah, and I was wondering, like, oh, do I extend my stay or not? I do have ozone coffee at in my apartment. And I was like, yeah, no, this is it. This is a sign. Let's go back. Oh, my God. I would have sent you coffee. You know that. I know. I know. All right. Who's our guest? Actually, today is a really good guest. <laughs> Today's... <laughs> Okay, I think we need to explain maybe why we laugh every time. Okay, the intro, I can't help it. Like, we, we decided at the beginning of this year, I don't know if this part of any intro was ever released, but we, we're trying not to use the word excited to explain how we are feeling about anything podcast-related. And when you try not to do something, it's really hard to not do that thing. So every time I try to say something other than we're excited, I just burst out laughing. And then I can't think of another word. We have an excellent episode today with one of our favorite people. Um, this person's name, <laughs> I feel like Bridget Jones, when the guy is introducing her in the movie and he's like, or she's introducing him and she can't remember his name. She's like, Mr. Mister, and she's coming up with his nickname. Anyway. That is an epic scene, actually. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. At the book party. Um, Mike Shearer, who is a coach... He was a coach for us um, when we did New York Road Runners group training, and he's an awesome guy. He's an amazing runner um, and just has so much to offer, and I learned so much from him, and we definitely wanted to get him back. Not back, yeah. but we wanted to get him on the show. Yeah. Mike, uh, in New York Road Runners group training, speaking of my own group training journey, um, I started with the group in January of 2017 and off my very first few sessions the coach I remember the most is Mike Sharp because he was yeah. always I just somehow ended up running next to him and he started you know sort of giving me tips on running it was him followed immediately by Bobby Asher um, and both of them were sort of have sort of been instrumental in kind of shaping my initial journey uh, mm -hmm. so I'm really like excited excited <laughs> It's really hard to not use that word. Yeah, no, I'm actually uh, happy to have him on on this on this podcast. And just a little bit of background about him. And he talks about this in the episode himself, so he'll give you more details. But he runs the New York Roadrunners Open Run uh, program. He's in charge of that. And those are like free weekly runs and walks in various parks across the city. And I think they have even expanded into New Jersey and all the way into Staten Island as well. So all the local parks every Saturday. It's always on a weekend, I think, so or a Saturday or a Sunday in these local parks, they organize uh, free runs and walks for um, for the neighborhood. So it's like a great initiative to initi initiative to bring communities together that is centered around running. Right. 
Obviously not during a pandemic, but. Yeah, not happening right now. So don't go to your local parks, guys. <laughs> Stay home, all right? Mike is um, staying home too. Yeah. Before we start the show, I just wanted to share the two things that I learned from Mike Sher as a coach. The first one was to cruise the first half of any interval you're doing. And when he said that, he didn't mean like go slow. He just meant like save pushing until the second half. And then secondly, to to own your own um, victories and progress and achievements. So thank you, Mike. We hope you enjoy the show. Please state your name for the record. Mike, sure. <laughs> it's so good to have you. We haven't seen you in a really long time. I know. Thank Way you for joining long. us. No problem. So we met Mike when we both were in group training with New York Roadrunners. You were one of the coaches. And very fast. <laughs> you were a group one coach. I learned a lot from you, jokes aside. I learned two really important things from you. One was you said to me one day, if you can't jog your recoveries, you've done your repeat too fast. And then we were doing 400s up by Engineers Gate in Central Park. And we were, you said, let's just, cru- you got to just cruise the first 200. And then when we got, oh, we were doing 800, 800 sorry. Or no, it was 400. Yeah, like the 200, you're like, okay, well, we're just going to cruise now. We're going to pick it up a little bit. Like you really taught me how to do an interval, that you don't like gun it from the get-go. And um, that's been Shit. really valuable. I know. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, I still think of you when I'm doing stuff on the track. I'm like, yeah, 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 just cruise the first half, cruise the first half. And it helps. It's like that same principle of obviously not going out too fast. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. yeah. On that theory a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it takes, part of it is just practice. So um, you realize that the, the workout itself um, becomes more valuable if you progress through it um especially mentally as both of you know running is so mental so the idea of finishing a workout and feeling good about it um and that doesn't mean uh you kind of like take it easy on the earlier reps you should still be pushing yourself but you want to make sure that you gradually um, get faster because um it always feels good to run that last one a little bit quicker Um, and there's more value in it because you can run more reps so um the more reps are really the important part yeah what i like about that Serious. The range is pretty small within like where you should start and where you'll end up fast, right? So even if we are thinking in numbers, whatever you're doing, let's say you're that range of intervals would be like, oh, you're supposed to average like six twenty-five for everything mm-hmm. at the end. Let's say that's where your effort lands. It's probably like start like six thirty or like six thirty-five, mm-hmm. and then you can finish at like six twenties. Maybe you'll land so that. I think that's where it's like so important to have a coach like you where you're like, yeah, it's subtle, but if you do it right, it's going to be like you'll land perfectly where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, running is one of those weird things where um, you, it's such a journey. Like it's such, it's this elongated process that um, takes so much time to become good at. And we are just, it's just so happens that runners are the most impatient human <laughs> beings of all time. So you have this contradiction that um, exists, and it's pretty fascinating. Um, but it's you think if you start thinking about things more on a holistic scale, um, kind of doing things at that, understanding that like the workout itself is in a race, and that they're all part of this process, um, is super important. Can we talk about your running a little bit? Sure. <laughs> That's why you're here. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I uh, started running when I was, when I grew up, I played like all sports. I was kind of like a general sports guy. Um, I did like the baseball, soccer, basketball thing. Um, and I was really into soccer, as a lot of, um, you know, runners come into. Um, Where was this? In New York City. So oh. I grew up in Inwood. Okay. Um, yeah, I grew up in Inwood. Exactly uh, where? On <laughs> on 215th Street. Okay. Um, in Manhattan, sorry. Okay. In I, New I, York I, City. Yeah, okay. you I, got it. I, I live on Dykeman. So <laughs> you see, you know. Yeah, yeah, Park Terrace Gardens. Um, so I grew up there. And, um, and running isn't, it's interesting, running isn't that big in the city. Um, there are or some of the New York State has some great programs. Um, but New York City, the running scene is um, definitely interesting. But So I got into running my sophomore year of high school. Actually, my freshman year, um, I went to try for the soccer team. And I was not, at this point, I was like 4'11", <laughs> like 60 pounds. So small. And just for um, our listeners, how tall, how tall are you? I'm like 6'1", <laughs> still skinny, but so 155 pounds. But I was really small. Um, and then uh, I went to trap for the soccer team freshman year. And I came back and I was like, I'm, I was one of the card moms. I was like, I'm not going to do that. This is too intense. Like I went to the soccer camp and I was not that good to be with these guys playing. Um, and then I went back to school the next day. And a good friend of mine was like, you should just come to the indoor track. Like, this was during cross season, and he was like, you should just try to come indoor track. Cross country was ending. And he was like, come, you know, come meet the coach. He's super nice, and it was a super nice guy, uh, Mr. Show. And uh, and I went and did indoor track and did a 55, which was not my race by any means, um, but it was so fun. It was exhilarating. And so it kind of started with that 55, and um, I didn't take running super seriously in high school. Um, I think one of the lucky things that I've had in a way is that um, I've never, there's always been people that are better than me. So when I was in school, so at Beacon High School where I went, there were, um, I was the best kid by far. Like there was nobody that was close. The school had just begun. It was not a big running program. It just kind of started. But I had a bunch of friends who went to Bronx Science and these other kids that were in New York City running school system, and they were crushing it. Like, they were destroying me. So it was this weird dynamic that I had where in school, people were like, oh, my God, you're breaking all these records. And I was like, I ran 18.04 for the 5K, which in high school is really slow. <laughs> like, it's not that slow, but it's pretty slow. Like, kids are running, like, 16.50. So it was like, coming back, they'd be like, oh, my God, you're so fast. I was like, no, I'm not really that fast. Um, so that was kind of weird. Um, but I went through, and I was kind of getting into running, um, but I didn't, coaching is so important. You really can't underestimate how important it is. Um, and I didn't, coach was a super nice guy, um, but he had to coach, you know, 60 kids and kind of keep that, you know, try to keep everybody, coach everybody. And he didn't come from a track background. Um, you know, he did rowing in college or whatever, and he was kind of just, you know, there in the DOE system, was a really good dude and started my running career, which was what I needed, you know. At that point, I just needed somebody to be supportive, and I wasn't ready to be that serious. Um, and I actually didn't, I only got recruited by one school. So people go to these big schools, stuff like that. But 1804 isn't very good. Um, but on the track, I was able to run like a 400 without really training in about 54 seconds. So that was quick. Yeah. Yeah. So I got lucky. I ran, you know, 800 and 203, which isn't remarkable, but the coach saw and he was like, this coach up at New Balls called me. I put in some recs for like... 
Geneseo, other state schools, and uh, I didn't get a chance. Nobody else, they were like, you're not fast enough. And so this one guy called me. He was like, I'm going to give you a shot, which was awesome. Nice. So cool, yeah. Um, I still have that voicemail on my phone, which is oh pretty crazy, God. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, he's now coaching at Vassar. Uh, but, yeah, so he calls me. and He's like, hey, um, come up. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to – it's either New Balls. And I got into a few other schools. I was like, I'm going to go to maybe Northeastern. But it was really running or not running. That was the only choice. Um, and so I decided to do the running. And I went to New Balls. So I was like, I'm going to do this. Don't know how it's going to go. And I, like, that summer going into college, I did so much training by so much. I did, like, 35, 40 miles a week. And I was like, this was crazy. <laughs> like, I'm dying on, like, six-mile runs with my boys. And we're doing, like, loops of Central, one loop. And I'm finishing in, you know, 42 minutes. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm ready to go to college. <laughs> and uh, and then I get to college, and I'm like, oh, no, this is so different. I am getting destroyed. I'll never forget we did a... Um, like a two mile, um, just like workout on the track. It was, and we got filmed. So the, like, this is the first week of track. So we get on, the, we get up there and we get on the track and there's like 10 or 12 guys on the team. And our team was pretty bad. <laughs> okay. We were, there's no sugar going. We were bad. So we were on the bottom of the D3 scale, like really pretty bad and so i went out there and i was like all right i'm ready to go so we did this two mile trial and trial on the track and i just got slaughtered i mean i ran it was not fast and these guys were crushing me and we were not good so it was a bad sign and i remember watching the uh watching the tape and that was just i couldn't like you guys seen it when people are struggling like my left arm wasn't moving my whole left side of my body was like paralyzed it was really weird um so did that time trial um and then kind of from there just took off and um had to yeah had this revelation kind of uh, my freshman year where i went out uh was not always the smartest person my freshman year made some um serious mistakes i'd say but very important errors um went out like before the regional meet to a bar, got in some trouble, um, and thankfully only had to do some community service work. Um, but I will say um, that that was super important because it really reined me back in. And I was like, this is super important to me, and I need to really focus on this. And I didn't want to get in trouble again, and I was able to really, from that point on until, you know, the rest of my career, I was able to say, like, this is really important to me. I don't want to let down my team, and I want to become a better runner, and that was kind of exciting. Uh, so, yeah, so at that point, I started to get really serious, started swimming, started to get a little bit better my sophomore year, um, and then my got a little bit better my sophomore year. Our team started to get a little bit better, got some transfers in, some recruits, so it was a lot more fun. A team is good, it's way better than when a team is not good. Um, and we started getting some, we started to get some guys in, um, my junior year. So going into my junior year, I had a good sophomore year, but my junior year, we were super, um, excited. We had a good squad. We were ready to go. Um, and I'd still, again, this is a process. Like this is such a learning process and you realize it. Um, but I went out and I was like, I'm going to crush it. And so I started running like 60 miles a week going into my junior year. And I was like, I'm going to slaughter this. Um, but, and the crazy thing about it, what is it was like 60 miles a week, but every run 
was at like 6.30 pace or faster. So there was a run I did on like, I didn't really know how to train was really the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ran a run where I ran like 16 miles and at 6.10 pace. I was in amazing shape, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I went into the season and it was the hardest season I've ever had because I burnt out by the first race. Mm-hmm. Like I ran a race at Vassar, ate it. Just like, and when you burn out and you, before the season starts and you run a season, it's demoralizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that season, I was like, I might quit because it's so bad. Because when you race a five, an AK yeah. and you're burnt out, you're, after the first mile, you're like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I can't run faster. That progression is gone. Your mentality is gone. Mm-hmm. So I finished up regional meet, ran pretty terribly. And at that point, I was like, I don't, this is, you know, I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I want to do this again. And so we were lucky enough that the program itself was just really a cross-country only program. We had this small spring piece of it. So we had a few meets in the spring. So it was really important for me because I got to take that break after cross and just be like, I'm going to party, have some fun, relax, not focus on running for a little bit. So I came back um, in that winter time, and I kind of realized after taking some time off that it was this, I'll never forget this because this is ridiculous, but I went to my coach's wife and I was like, it's amazing if you run slower, you can run longer. And she never forgets that. She brings it up every time. She's like, I can't believe you realize that at that point in time. And that was a huge revelation for me. Was like, there a run that made that happen? Like I think you I, were forced to because you were with a slower person or something? I don't know what it was. I don't think it was that. Okay. Um, I realized that because once I ran with a friend who was much slower, and then I ran way longer with her. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> wow. I, just, I did like 15 miles, and I don't – like, that was great. <laughs> yeah. And then you finish, and you're like, wait a second. I don't feel like I want to die. Right. Why is this? Um, yeah. Yeah, so – uh, I came to that realization at some point. I don't think it was through somebody. I think it was more like I'm just – what I was doing wasn't working. Mm-hmm. It's like I have to change this up. Um, and I'm sure my coach said something to me like um, – I'll never forget what he said too. He said that he went – when he was training because he ran with the University of Arizona. And he um, – when he was training with the Kenyans um, or when or his coach when he went to train in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And his coach told him that the American runners – they usually run their workouts too fast. And they're, they actually, sorry, uh, American runners run their easy runs too fast and their workouts too slow. Mm. And the Kenyan runners do the opposite. So they run their workouts really fast and their long runs really slow. So when I took that, I kind of took that to heart. Um, and then I just started running everything much easier. So I found that pace where I was able to go for X amount of miles, 10 to 13 miles and not feel uh, too strained. So that was really important. So I brought that in. Um, still, you know, didn't do crazy amount, like, you know, 50, 60 miles a week, which is a good amount, but nothing crazy. Um, and for the track, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And I ran, had a really good spring track season, and it got me back into it. Took some time off, a few weeks off between then and starting training in the summertime for my senior season. And I uh, went to Ireland where I have a bunch of family with a friend, came back, and then just eased back into it. And then started really training it. Because once I figured out, once you figure out that you can do the slow, you're like, wait a second, I can just crush miles. Mm -hmm. And so then things went crazy. 
because then uh, I had a friend who I was who a close teammate, and we started doing a lot of training together and built up, you know, built up was running like eleven a day mm-hmm. every day, and then got into the season, and it was like, or got into August, and it was like a half marathon a day, thirteen a day. Mm-hmm. Then the week before the season started, we did ninety five miles in a week, and then throughout the whole season, just ran. We took a different approach. It wasn't going into the season. It wasn't we want to like crush every race. It was like every race is a important piece of the puzzle to get to the regional meet or the championship meet and be effective. Right. Um, because the seasons are so long that you can't. You can't. It's really hard to race four to six AKs. Really hard. Your body has a limit to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, so we ran all these miles together. But had a really good team, um, brought it all together, and had a had a good senior year. And then I went cold turkey after that for about a year. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, like I was time. like, I went, I mean, you run when you run ninety miles a week yeah. for like four months. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm ready to, and I run. You know, it's more about as you both know. It's so much of it is it's a twenty four hour lifestyle. It's really not the hour and a half you're running because for so long, you know, you have, you work all day if in the summertime and your parents are like, oh, let's go to dinner. And you're like, no, I'm going to drive to 72nd Street and run 12 miles, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. And then figuring out what you're going to eat, when you're going to eat it, um, sleeping, those kind of things. Your life re- revolves around it. And I'd done that for, you know, six or so years, um, especially for like three really seriously. And at that point I was like, I don't want this to revolve around that anymore um and now yeah and then i took some time off had some fun my last semester of college um and now i guess i take it much less seriously (laughs) uh but i still enjoy it and it's a very important part of my life what's your favorite distance to to run Uh, the mile probably what's your mile pr um i never well i guess 424 at uh the fifth avenue mile a few years ago but um, in college, I ran 357 for 15, so wow. probably a little faster than that on the mile. But, uh, yeah, but all those times that I had are pretty average for college runners. They're just fast when it goes. It's, it's all perspective. Yeah, it's, all, it's so much of his perspective. <laughs> well, from my perspective, I'm like, oh, my God, he's so fast. I, uh, you're a part of the winning team from New York Runners that went to the <laughs> yeah, national. We've, we've um, done that the last yeah, yeah, two times. It's yeah. amazing. I remember I watched the end of it in 2018, and – I saw you fly by. You just looked like everyone else was, you know, hurtling along, and you were just like flying. You looked like you were just floating. Like mm-hmm. the thing was, it was the finish line, but you did not look like you were in any distress whatsoever. Yeah, I yeah I don't know. I was in distress. <laughs> you hide it well. <laughs> I was in distress. Yeah, I think you again. You, I learned so much about running over those six years. I I mean, and that kind of knowledge has played well. I mean, into the small coaching that I've done with you guys and mm-hmm. and you really learn to m- simplify it so much you know those like when I was doing those workouts with you like the small things you realize it's like first the first thing this is you know you asked me if I'm interested in coaching anymore I have a I have a little problem with the coaching that exists in general one because <laughs> unless you're running enough it's not totally worth it I think mm-hmm. personally coaching wise so unless you're ready to commit yourself to run legitimately like 50 miles a week 
the workouts themselves are not suit to my in my opinion not super worth it now it depends you know it they're they're helpful mentally because it breaks it up so you're not just doing you know six or seven miles a day you're not like oh i'm bored with this Mm -hmm. so you might want to do a few mile workouts that's a value to it but coaching wise there's no real value because you're so you have you have an aerobic base that you build up that's the most important thing right so you build up this aerobic base like we were doing with these miles and the way you build that up is running like 50 to an hour a day at least 50 minutes you really get the benefit when you're going above an hour and 10 hour 20 minutes so once you've done that and you've gathered some kind of aerobic base up then you can focus on the anaerobic work that you're going to get in that you have when the lactic acid builds up at an end of a race. The thing about that is the only way to really refine that is if you're in shape in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is I find that, or at least the one time I kind of personally coached somebody, was if that person doesn't have time, which is totally understandable, mm-hmm. to give that aerobic base up, I kind of feel like, eh, like, am I worth, the work? you should just run more. Like there shouldn't be that. So um, that's kind of the thing I struggle with coaching wise. When when we were taking, well, when I was taking the RRCA course with Randy, level one, and he was like, if someone comes to me for the first time, right, it's that example of what you're saying. He's like, oh, can you coach me? I signed up for this. I want to run a race or do this. And he said, I would ask, like, have you run before? He's like, um, not really. He's like, okay, go run 500 miles and then come back to me. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I, I, I love that, but yeah. it, and that's what worries me is people get out there and they have a coach and it's like, what? You need to start running, like that, and 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 you learn so much from just running miles, like you learn you, you know, and the coaching helps in terms of like what we did, like the small things. It's like focus on your breathing, like think about your form, like so few people, and part of that is being in shape. Like when you're in shape, then you can start being conscious of, oh my left arm is dragging, let me do this. But when you're not in shape and you're in the middle of a workout, you're not like, oh, my left arm is dragging. You're like, oh, I want to die. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, it's different. So to focus on those things, that those simple things that really matter, like breathing through your nose and relaxing and focusing, you need to be in shape to do those things. Um, and they can be helpful in general. It's not that it's not valuable. It's just like, is it worth $60 a week? Right. I don't have $60 a work in me unless you're in shape then I think I could hold value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just hard with time. People don't have time to get in shape I mean, unless you're really committed to it, you know, which there are a few of people that mm-hmm. are willing to, but other, but people come, to, people come to coaches all the time and they don't have the time and they're not willing to put in the work and they're like, just like he said. And so that I struggle with that a little bit. Yeah. It's good that you deciphered the difference though because it could also be easy to just write someone like a... <laughs> A plan that's just like miles, you know? So yeah. I think that that's, that makes you even more valuable as a coach, that you know the point at which you're valuable to the mm-hmm. athlete. Yeah. yeah. It also depends that. distinguishing, like, what type of coach you want to be as well, yeah. right? You mm-hmm. can say, like, hey, look, totally. these are my expertise. I'm going to get you fast. But before I get you fast, you, you need a base. Mm-hmm. And maybe to, I'm not the base-building coach for you. You need someone who can write you that so stuff. True. And then you, once you're there, then we can talk, right? But the flip side of that, when you were telling your story of, um, when you were in school and um, the coach you had here, even though he was a rowing coach, the importance of someone's support. Can yeah. you say more about that? Because you stopped for a second and I like you were like, oh God, so important. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about sure, that? Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I, yeah. I think the, the understanding that there are different coaches for different things is important. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I understand that I'm not a base coach. 
but for me at that time, it this he was kind of like that in a way. I wish he had a little more knowledge, mm-hmm. um, but it was important because I was just starting, and I needed somebody to just be like, go enjoy this, like again, like enjoy this, which is what I did. Because running, you can get in a spell and not enjoy it. So there was, I mean, you see athletes, especially runners, uh, more runners, I'd say, maybe than any other sport, they get into it at an early age, and they drop mm-hmm. by college. And very few make it professionally. First, because it's so tolling on your body. And it's, again, the 24-hour cycle of things, and you have to really put other things, um, kind of put running ahead of everything else. Um, but also just, you know, mentally, it's just, when you get to a point, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. So having that person when I was in high school was so important because they were like, run the 55. Another coach would have been like, you have to run the two mile. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that another coach would have done that. Like if I was at a good running school, they would have been like, you're a small, skinny white boy. Mm-hmm. Go run the two mile. You know, like that's what you do or you run the mile. And I would have gotten better. I might not have went to new balls. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, just going out there and being, okay, then, I'm, then I progressed and ran. I ran the mile and the 800 later on. But I was able to like really enjoy the 800 in the mile, and I didn't get sucked into running, you know, a ton of distance. And I kind of learned for myself too, which was important. Um, but I think you're right. That kind of person, especially initially, um, I know that I can't be that person, but I think they're still important. Um, and he was just encouraging. He was like super nice, down for whatever. Um, and I was just like, okay. And I was able to still play basketball in the winter time, so it had that flexibility instead of that pressure, which can often happen in high school with kids, and that's tough. When you spoke about building a base with going into that preseason, once you figured out, like, oh, I have to run easy, right? And you guys, with your training partner, you got up to, like, 95-mile weeks. Were those just base-building miles, or were you guys doing any kind of workouts in there, too? Yeah. Um, I was just doing base-building miles. Uh, it's important to always say that every every athlete is very different. Mm-hmm. It's very important to say. Um, like, I... I think my running partner and, and just for my team, you realize it's like I could lift twice a week, three times a week, and nothing would change. I mean, I would gain muscle mass, but it would just go to my – I would become more toned. Well, my I had some other friends who were on the team. If they started lifting, they'd start gaining like 15 pounds, even if they were running a bunch. So bodies are just different in that way. But I, for me, it was because I had innate speed and I could just at the end of a race pretty much crush anybody um, – I didn't have to do the workouts for the base mileage. Mm-hmm. That being said, again, if you think about it less of, if you think about the fact that our championships meets were in November, the base that we built up from the beginning of Ju- like beginning of July through August, we then did base with workouts from the end of August through November. So there was no... So the base was just purely base is what is really the answer yeah. to the question, uh, but because you again you need to run you need to run like yeah. four to six weeks of base to start getting into workouts. And that's where the patience bit becomes so important, right? Like you can, in a real sense, like if you want to build a base, well, that's a few months, and then mm-hmm. on top of that, you can maybe you add a. <laughs> time where you just do a few hills and then you have to connect that to actual mm-hmm. your actual training plan and that can end up being half a year or longer like you're saying so it, the, and you have to be patient in that um, there is sort of no shortcut to it yeah you know what it is too when you when you grow when you grow like this and you guys are having it as well when you grow through your running career 
and just which is your whole life really you pick up on there's it's weird how like small little tidbits keep going on so like my coach mentioning the the running certain things faster and certain things slower um, and then also i'll remember one you know i don't know if you guys actually this might not this might um, predate your running career but there were these things called workout wednesdays on flow track um so back in college that was a huge deal they had these they produced these really awesome content. It was so sick. It was premier. Like Flow Track was awesome. I can't. I don't know what's going on now. They they like made it paid, and mm-hmm. so you have to pay for it. Which is their base was like college youth runners, and like we were like we're not paying for this. But for a good part of college and at the end of high school, that was a premier source of like track content. And the content they were creating was awesome. It was like going to the University of Colorado running like they'd pray like just get a gopro on a bike and shoot you know adam goucher or whatever and these like for like 20 weeks of workout wednesdays and they were awesome and there was this one i watched at some point and there was a a girls high school team and when they she had one of the best it was one of the best girls in the country at the time and her coach said all they did when they did longer runs or they did their easy runs they would Every hill would be a hill workout. So they just incorporated it in mm-hmm. to the process. And I did that my senior year too in all my base miles. So I didn't do any hill workouts. Mm-hmm. But every time I was in a hill, I would just sprint up the hill. Mm-hmm. And then I would relax on the way back down because you're gaining that fitness. And on the way back down, you don't get – because your heart rate drops. Mm-hmm. So you don't get anything. You don't like sprint down the hill. But you just act as every hill within the workout. I mean, within your regular run, mm-hmm. is another little workout itself. And that was like, that was one other thing that I incorporated. So it was like incorporating all these things into it by my senior year, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, well, yeah. yeah. But it was like all these things building up to it that just led to those small things that I put into it. That's cool. Um, hearing you talk makes me relate in terms of um, coming from, I was very seriously injured last year. And then came back from walk run. And so I was doing all these things. And in hindsight, you know, obviously I'm grateful for it because I got to see what it's like to start as, I mean, I wasn't a new runner, but when you go out on the track and do like one minute walk, one minute run, you certainly feel like a new runner. (laughs) But then one of my first, you know, I didn't do workouts. I started on like an 80 meter hill that I would run up as fast as I could. That was my first like hill thing. And then we did um, exactly what you're talking about in Central Park, just pushing up on the hills. That's a great a great way to add some kind of element to your week without making it a, p- a pointed workout. Um, and just like the learning, like, you know, you, it sounds like you've learned so much and that you weren't necessarily told these things that you picked up on them based on how your body was responding. And I think that's so important because what I notice, especially in kind of the community that we're in, that a lot of people are training together. So they think, oh, well, that person's doing that thing, so I should do that too. But it's not necessarily the case because everyone reacts differently. And, I mean, there's the principles of, of peaking are the same, but how your body's going to absorb the fitness is different. Did you ever have, like, a serious injury that you got from kind of maybe just it happened as, like, a newbie thing or a training error? You know, I have been really fortunate I, um, I had like in high school at some point I had some back spasms, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't too serious. I think I missed like a spring season and then I stayed pretty, I've been pretty lucky throughout college. I stayed injury free. I had some, you know, I mean, you have stuff like tendonitis and such. 
but it really wasn't too bad. I think part of it is because another piece of it is like you said, it's burst on so much. It is gen- it's g- genetic as well. Like you know, again, I talked about those guys who lifted. Like those guys were bigger guys. So when they're landing on their you know on their whether the form wise or depending, think about how much more weight. I mean, they're dropping another 30, 40 pounds. I mean, not 30, 40 pounds, but like another 20 pounds mm-hmm. every step than me. So, I mean... Add that to the 95 miles per For week. a week, and you think about how much compression that is, and those guys had some problems. They had to take care of their bodies a lot more. Um, yeah, so... So, yeah, wait, what, what was the question? If also, you had gotten sorry. injured. Oh, if I had gotten injured. And then what happened was, actually, so I... So after college, I took about a year off, and then I came back and started to do some training in, and I had some knee troubles. And the knee troubles were pretty bad. Um, and that was disheartening, especially because that was the first time I really had an injury before. Uh, and I, I, but I didn't have any pressure to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't have any races, and I wasn't on the team. So I never felt like, oh, this is – but it, it was pretty demoralizing, mm-hmm. I will say. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to say the, the injury thing. I have been incredibly fortunate with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really had too many injuries. I got, uh, yeah, I haven't had too many injuries. And when I have, I've been able, I can bounce back really quickly again because the genetic stuff, like just because I'm so light. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, cause I've learned how to run properly and yeah. those kind of things I've picked up. So when I come back, I can kind of just go for it. It always sucks getting back into it, no matter who it's you so are. Hard. It sucks. <laughs> It's really hard. The first few weeks are dreadful. They're so bad. You spoke about the whole life revolving around, especially revolving around running, right? That becomes the number one thing. And it's like you have to, (laughs) we can go on and on about how it kind of is all encompassing. Do you have any advice for people like who kind of are trying to figure out like how to balance that potentially? Um, I don't know. I, I get that question from time to time, right? <laughs> and my answer is like, well, I do what I like is important to me or like, you know, like whatever I like doing and then I make time for it no matter what. Um, so a lot of people struggle with that. Like, I want to do this, I really, but I just don't have the time. So how do I kind of do, do it enough that it kind of gives me, um, I get something out of it, but it doesn't consume everything. Mm. That's tricky. That's a good question. Yeah. I think that it's definitely tough to have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say just try to run before anything that you're going to do that would prevent you from running. (laughs) Exactly. Do it (laughs) That's how me and I would say my boys have always done it. It's like, okay, we know we're going to do later in the day. We're going to run before that point. We just got to do it. And I would say I think the best answer I have to that then would be to find some people Find like three or four people that'll hold you accountable. That's the best advice I have for that, 100%. Otherwise, you're screwed. Yeah. Because it's so hard when you're alone in your training. Like if you're a bunch of people who are not runners, it is really hard. You're not screwed, but it becomes increasingly harder. And if you have like two or three people who are like, I mean, people do this all the time with their 6 a.m. morning runs and stuff like that with their, their groups that have become so prominent, you know, November Project, all these things. They hold people accountable. That's what it's about. So... So I would say, yeah, I would say find two or three people that, especially if hopefully they're going to partake in activities that you'd be partaking in later in the day, you know, like something that would prevent you from having beers or something like that. You're like, oh, maybe I don't want to do that. Or honestly, any other sporting activity, because you should run 
you want to run before you play soccer or you want to run before you play basketball. Because if you go and you play basketball, you're not going to run after that. Mm -hmm. So any of those things you're doing with somebody else, you know, try to get somebody to hold you accountable. I think that's probably the best advice I have. That's good advice. Um, can we talk about the other side of life? Um, what did you study in, at New Paltz? <laughs> I studied sociology and philosophy. Oh. Yeah. But I was very confused throughout the first <laughs> few years. <laughs> I did some I did some business stuff and then Just like failed running, that. it takes time. Didn't do well, time. yeah. It was a journey. It's been a journey still figuring out. I mean, I think, you know, I've talked about this a lot, but um, one of the amazing things about running is how analogous it is to life itself. I mean, those small things you pick on, you learn about. I mean, so many things. You can be like, wow, this is so relatable to my running experience. And it helps, I think, in many ways. You know, and you guys know about this, but, you know, the pain you go through, the suffering, um, the amazing times, the hard work, it's very, it's very much um, relatable and important. So, yeah. But what else have I do? Uh, let's see. I yeah, I was still into other sports throughout my running career, uh, which was good. I still did basketball and um, such, and uh, yeah, I did so sociology, sociology and philosophy. Thought both were intriguing. Um, yeah, wish I'd figured out a little bit earlier that it doesn't really matter what you get a degree in, because <laughs> I would have done like an English minor again or something like that, mm -hmm. um, and taken more classes that I enjoyed instead of like trying to force something that didn't work. Uh, I needed something that would uh, force me to think, and uh, and I love to read as well. So that was a natural. Mm -hmm. uh, and then sociology was more just an application of that to the real world, yeah. um, which has been incredibly helpful in the work that I do, which is fascinating because I didn't think that would happen. But yeah, I tried like uh, I did like math stuff, which I was good at, but I was bored. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but uh, if I go to school, um, which I'm at, I'm back at school now. I'm in school, and I'm not interested. I do very. I don't do so well. Yeah. yeah, it's not something. When I do, when I'm interested, I do incredibly well. But when I'm not, I financial accounting, very bad. Is that what you're studying? No, <laughs> no. But in college, I did it. My sophomore year, I failed very miserably. Right. My mother was very upset about that. Because you weren't interested. That makes sense. I really, actually, really admire that. One of my sisters is like that, and I was always really. Um, I think it takes courage to just be like, you no, know, just not interested. No. <laughs> It's very similar in that way. There were, there were semesters that went tough because the balance of not interested classes was tipped. Then like uh, one to three, and I was like, oh god, yeah. this, is not, this semester is not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what yeah. do you study now? Maybe ask. Yeah, of course. I'm going to um, Baruch to get a master's in public administration. Cool. I don't know the concentration yet. Maybe like urban development um, and sustainability, but. Uh, yeah, it's been interesting to go back to school. It's very, it's more, um, it's nice to be treated like an adult in the classroom, which right. is wonderful, which is very odd from my prior experience. It's enjoyable, <laughs> uh, which I don't know if I deserve to be treated as an adult in undergrad. Let me say that also. Okay. But, um, but yeah, and it's been, so that's been enjoyable. And then also just understanding that this is now, um, I wish I learned this earlier in my life, but taking control of my education more, being like, oh, like there's a book that there's these books that have been assigned. I'm going to read two of them because I'm not interested in the other ones. Like I'm, I'm paying you mm -hmm. to make me, to make this work. Like not, and I'm going to figure out how to like what interests me and make this intriguing for me rather than like, Oh, I'm like this inferior being who mm -hmm. needs to intake information from you. It's more of this active process. And the teachers are also receptive in that way. They're like, you have a real life, like let's utilize the real experiences you have. Um, so that's been enjoyable for sure. 
That's great. So you work full time during mm-hmm. the day and then you go to school at night. Yeah. That's yeah. hard to manage. And are you running currently? No. It's a lot. I, yeah, I started <laughs> a few weeks ago and I, my running has not it's went downhill pretty quickly. Not that it was uh, uphill at any point, <laughs> but you'll get it back. It's like, but that goes back to what we were talking about. Like, you have, there are different points in our lives when things get prioritized differently. And yeah. Now it's school and work. Yeah. But you I, know, yeah. The, well, uh, yeah. the analogy of life and running is so funny. You were just saying like, um, if I'm that way, like if I'm if I wasn't interested in a in a subject in school, it just wasn't going to go over well. Then I would like stack everything like every semester with like stuff that i knew i'm really interested in i would like and then like you know within a year i would like burn out <laughs> yeah. so like it's like doing 95 mile weeks mm-hmm. of like something you're really liking and i'm like oh god now i'm doing poorly in what i'm actually do like it's just too much though yeah that's hysterical <laughs> oh man i actually have a question for you guys i you know um especially um and i mean and just because you've been involved with the mile stuff and you've watched it um, and you've been around. Now you're around so many people. Um, how do you guys feel about the fascination with like the marathon and the half marathon distance? Um, it's kind of like it's interesting for me because I just ran my first half like in December for the first time. And thanks, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. I don't know why people do that so often. <laughs> I would say, oh god, you have to do this twice. So I die. Um, and I don't think like it. Running is one of those things where if you can be self-aware enough to realize, like, this thing isn't for you, it's super important. Because, um, like, for me, I'm never going to go and be like, the marathon is my thing. Like, I'll never – I just – my it's, again, just understanding my body doesn't – my body can produce lactic acid in a way that's different than other people. Mm-hmm. Some people can just keep going on long distances. I can keep going when I'm dying in 800. Mm-hmm. People can't do that. So that's an understanding. So how do you guys feel about the fascination – and with these things, and then kind of this evolution to understanding that, like, maybe I'm actually could be more adept at running the mile, or maybe not even a mile, but a 5K, and like that's okay rather than this like jump to these longer distances that naturally happen. Yeah, that's a good question. And I mean, that was explains my experience uh, basically is that I started with the marathon because it's we live in New York and it's like, oh, the New York City Marathon. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to try this. But along the way, I found that. I enjoy the shorter distances. I enjoy the training of the shorter distances for them. And then after I got injured, I came back and started training for a mile. And I was like, this is great. And it suits my volume as well. So um, I think that, I think it takes a little bit of experience maybe and doing different distances. And I think it's just a general, I think a lot of people go to the marathon because it's this kind of threshold to cross that not that many people do. And it's a huge accomplishment. But I've found a lot of value in I mean, the reason why I liked the marathon to begin with was because of the training. And then I realized that I can do I can apply the same discipline and the same curiosity to shorter distances. And then the first 5K I did, I was terrified and it was way harder than any marathon I've ever run. Absolutely. The 5K terrifies me. And that's kind of why I love it. Um, and the mile, too. I'm like becoming fascinated with the mile. So I think that. I hope that people want to like try other distances too, because mm. I think the marathon. It, I see the difference in my exhaustion level and just like my aches and pains, and it, it's hard on the body. It's not natural to go run twenty miles on the Sunday. It's not. <laughs> yes, I'm <laughs> glad that we talked about for that. It. Yeah, just, just to get ready for it, right? It's yeah. and it's not just one twenty. It's yeah. like so many. 
there's definitely a huge global machine that f- that's feeding the frenzy. Yeah. Capitalism, yeah. Yeah, so I like, that. like we want to make <laughs> there these all there like if you look at the world majors, then like every even if you take the majors out, every city wants to have a marathon because it brings people in and there's a huge economic incentive. Mm-hmm. And then it's presented as this like massive bucket list thing for like self-improvement, but you could you you could really go out and train for the 5k and take that energy cons- or energy distribution of yeah. 26 miles and compress it into 3.1 I think and you still get a f- amazing result and do something great. So I I I think the fascination is definitely there's huge economic incentives behind it, powers mm-hmm. behind it, right? Yeah. At the same time it becomes this like one bucket list thing, right? I think major a lot of people, I don't know, I would love to know marathon repeat percentages, but a lot of people do it um, and then maybe they finish, uh, and then after finishing, they're like, oh, I, maybe I'll do it in another city. Um, and a lot of times it just becomes about like scoring. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways, like how many marathons you've done. Um, so it's interesting, like how marathon become, has become this thing, this one distance that everyone is kind of striving to do. But what's it, it, at the same time, when you say, uh, Outside of running, people are like, "How how long was that marathon that you just did?" <laughs> um, yeah. So there's this weird dichotomy all the time. So I, I think, and and I think there is not enough um, education around overall philosophy of running. Right, like not every distance is for everyone. Not right, like every everybody's different everybody's going to train different respond to training differently you may break down uh, like john hunter camp's episode he was like yeah i have like people i coach they showed up with crutches to the expo and they're like what do you think coach do i got a shot like <laughs> yeah seriously right? like, <laughs> yeah, they're crazy. i'm not a doctor but i think uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah don't do that um so i think there's definitely there's definitely this component of you know what mass what happens with mass media in terms of like making what's important but you as someone who's learned and known what running is all about you know running a fast 800 and training for it really giving it your all it just compresses down to these milliseconds where you're just shaving off so little versus you know what you're doing at the marathon it's it's a very yeah. similar thing yeah, yeah. The tangible number. i guess i guess my my i guess the understanding there makes sense i think uh, the question is also more to both of you because you both also interact with a lot of new runners and beginning runners. So, like, I'm intrigued about how you propose that to them more than anything. I, th- I think the understanding of it being like this capitalist machine, which mm-hmm. obviously makes sense and which is attractive and the main selling point for the marathon um, is people are, and because the product that's been created is so clearly worth $255. Um, but yeah, like, how do you talk to people about that? Like, is it, do you talk to people? I guess the question is, do you talk to people? Because I think often people don't. They're not like, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to run a marathon. Okay, I'm going to throw myself in the lottery yeah. for this insane thing that we take so casually now. Well, the thing <laughs> so is, I did a lot of, of those. everyone, at least everyone who's come to me is like, yeah, I'm in this race. So <laughs> can yeah, we, that, that's like, the starting point. That's what I'm trying to say is right. it's fascinating because it's just like we've, we've, this has been the starting point now. Like when you're younger and you ha- again you've learned like you like all you said like I've been lucky enough you learn you start at a 5k, yeah. mm-hmm. but now but when when you become you've created this 
uh, these loads in hundreds of thousands of adult runners, mm-hmm. they're literally starting with 26.2 yeah, miles. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. It's interesting. My experience has been that um, often, yeah, people will come to me. They want to have a marathon training plan. And, you know, I'm not, perp- I'm not like, suggesting they do something else. So I, I work with them. Right. But what I've found, which is very interesting, is some people along the way through the process start to question whether or not it's something that they want to do. And I'm like, well, there are other distances. Yeah. And like, we can talk about those. Like, yeah. let's get through the race. And then also it comes up. I don't I don't go around like saying, oh, you shouldn't run the marathon. Of but, course, yeah. But it has come up when people ask me what I'm training for. And if I say something other than a marathon, then they have more questions. Oh, what what does that training plan, plan look like? I'm like, oh, it's, you know, 12 weeks. And I do speed work on Wednesdays. And I do, like, some stuff in my long run. And my long run's only 10 to 12. And some people are not interested at all. And mm-hmm. other people are, are, are interested. And I think, um, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I don't know. It's interesting to think about, for yeah. sure. But there is definitely the majority of people that I first interact with are there because they want to run a marathon. Yeah. And then they learn that, Oh, that, that, that didn't feel good or that was great. I wanted to go faster. Um, also there's like an element of aging. Yeah. <laughs> like it's harder as we get older. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the other piece about, I mean, that's also actually a legitimate reason to do the marathon is because I mean, I, I don't, I think you might have, I mean, somebody in this podcast might've talked about it, but once you hit like 28, you can't run faster than a mile. <laughs> you unless just can't you like you start unless you don't start until you're like 35 yeah no but no but that but like but the peak of yeah. your running possibly at a shorter distance is like 28 and but your peak for a marathon is like 42 yeah mm-hmm. it's insane so you can the, and also you're seeing that tangible improvement like ali said it's like if you go from 335 and you go and then become 320 you're like whoa yeah but if you run mm-hmm. like 435 and then you improve to 430 in the mile you're like man. Eh. I know, but like exponentially, <laughs> but it's massive, it's though, right? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just it's a it's an it's a mental thing where if yeah. you don't if you don't know that, like you said, if if the education isn't there, mm-hmm. then that that jump to 4:29 or whatever you're running below five minutes yeah, yeah. isn't as important as the yeah. 2:59. I, I wish jump. Coach Stuart Calderwood was here right now. Like he he loves talking about that. Stuff. Yeah, He's yeah. Like, it goes down to like how a half a second in a mile compares to well, something else. I mean, it took me a whole year to go from a 5:24 to a 5:19. Yeah. Of like a full year of doing speed work oh, for the mile. Yeah. <laughs> so. and there's a, maybe there's a human propensity propensity to like saying, right? Like the larger the number, the better for some reason, mm-hmm. right? Like all of a sudden, ultras are really popular now, right? Like mm-hmm. our, over the last decade, they have become really popular where people want to do them um, big know. time. Um, I personally, just from my size and weight i think i'm good at longer distances and not shorter right Right. so i actually automatically kind of gravitate towards that and i just see it i see it in the results when i do 5ks and i train for a 5k versus like a marathon it's it's a very different experience and um whereas i'm training someone you know of a very different height and very different build for a marathon but he he came to me saying like (laughs) um i'm in new york what do i do i was like oh I wish, I wish you were running like a 5k like or a 10k even like you'd totally crush it um train for the marathon went okay the marathon goes okay five weeks later he goes runs a 10k and just crushes it he gets like a 
11 minute PR in his 10K from like way before. <laughs> so That's great. it's like, it, but the point is that he usually people sign up for something and then realize, oh shit, I got in, I have to <laughs> train yeah. for this now, right? right. Yeah. That's when they arrive at coach. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm interested, you know, to hear how you, what you think of this, but, you know, I think one of the most amazing things I've found about running um, over my period of time was it's such a humbling experience in terms of, um, you, it's so incredibly tangible how the work you put in is literally exactly how you get out, like what you get out. So what you like, there's a limit. So like, let's say you go and you train for five weeks and then you're going to run a half marathon. There's a time you're going to run. You can only run this fast. Mm -hmm. Like, this just it. There's nothing like, there's nothing you do that's going to make you like, I can pretty much predict if I, I, I mean, now that I've run all this time, I know if I train X amount of time and then run a half marathon or a mile right now, I could, I know exactly pretty much what I'm going to run. Mm -hmm. I just like, and that's not to my, I mean, part of it is just this learning process, but the amazing part about that is like, I just, there, that's it. That's all there is. Like right. it's what I put in and it's like, this is how fast I am. And this is in a race day. You try to stay between this, like these times. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, now I could probably run between this time and this time. That's it. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. And that's the simplicity and the, the basicness of it yeah. is what's so awesome. I mm -hmm. think in a way, you know what I mean? Like you, and, and, you know, if you, it's, and it's so personal. Mm -hmm. So you go into a race, you're like, this is, this is where I'm at. And, and, and I think that's hard to accept for a lot of people too. It's one of the struggles is people go into marathons and stuff like, oh, I have these lofty goals. Right. And it's like, it's so important to understand. It's like, this is the work I've put in. Mm -hmm. And so this is the result I'm going to get. That's, it's so natural. And people don't realize, I don't think how, how much it is relating to the work you put in before it. Mm -hmm. It's like, Definitely. this is just it. And this is your zone. Yep. And if you come in that zone, you should be so happy. Yep. Because yeah, that's, that's impressive. Because that's, that's it. That's, you know, there's, there's no magic. Mm -hmm. You know, that's part of the thing I have also with coaching. There's no magic. You just run more. Yep. The more you run, this is the zone you're going to come in and run fast in. And so it's in that way, I always have enjoyed it so much in that way. Because it's like, yeah, this is it. This is where I'm at. And when I finish yeah. a race... Like some people are like, oh, how are you feeling? Like that's this is what I was like. People come up to me, you know, when I, after the J.P. Morgan races, and they're like, oh, how do you feel about that? And it's like I ran what I was supposed to run. Yeah, you know, people came up to me at the, the, the half marathon. I did it in like a nondescript place so nobody would see me. I was like, I don't, I don't. I, was, <laughs> I love that. I was like, I don't want anybody to see me. I'm going to the middle of Pennsylvania, <laughs> and I went to the middle of Pennsylvania. I was gonna run alone, and I was like, there's like three guys in this pack, and then like the last eight miles by myself, pretty much, and. uh and I ran the time that I was going to run. Yeah, you knew that. Like, I finished, and, I, you know, people get upset. It's like, I, I ran this time, and this time was what I was going to do. There was maybe 20 seconds right. I could have got back on if I was racing with people. But that's it, yeah. and that's fine. I mean, people have a hard time with that. Yeah. But it, it, once you realize that, it's so comforting, I find. It's true. It's like, this is just it. Like, this is where I'm at. There's the exactness to it. I love yeah, that. you know what I mean? It's like, there's this finiteness to it of, like... That's this is the range. What's interesting is that brings up the idea we talk a lot about training age. So like a young training age person is going to continue to have improvements within that zone, but they probably will for several, maybe like a decade or something. Mm -hmm. um, so I think as a coach of people, I've, a lot of people that I coach are new runners, generally speaking. And what I've noticed is that there, it, there is like a progression and I can 
Mm -hmm. I'm there to try to help them get there with with expectations of where they are in that moment in time, which is why when we often co-coach, Ali and I, and we don't talk about race pace until we get past that peak long run because it doesn't. There is no race pace until you've done all your work. A hundred percent. But I think it's hard to, for people. There is like though it's very exact and there is a science. It's also like well you don't get there until like you've done the work mm-hmm. and then you rest and recover because even today on on the long run I was like there's no way I can run anywhere near this pace like right. <laughs> 26 miles. Oh that's always that's always that's another interesting topic that mm-hmm. you always have on workouts. <laughs> yeah that's the I, that's always fascinated me. Yeah it's like how can I do this for five miles when I can when I go out there I can barely do this for. 200 yeah. meters before <laughs> the day before the race. I want to die. How yeah. am I going to do this for another five miles? Yeah. Well, and like I was special. telling myself what I tell my athletes, which is like, you're tired. You ran like almost 60 miles this week. You're going to be tired. Um, but my, my bringing myself back to my point was just that, um, that yeah, there is this, this zone. And I think with new runners, at least I'm like, you can, you can move that zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you think that you are so good at knowing what you're going to run at the half because you're so experienced and then because you're sort of, I mean, that was your first, so you have nothing to compare it to, but mm. did it equate to some of your other comparable times? Like those yeah. I think it's, I, uh, I think it's probably just experience okay. and yeah. that's the tricky part with new runners. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's the tricky part. Um, I think it was just understanding like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's an understanding of just like, this is where I'm at Yeah. that I have before the race. It's like, this is what I've put in, and this is how much it is. And I know if I put in more, I probably could do more. I don't think I want to do that. Right, And and it also has led me to the point where, and I know other runners at this point, especially collegiate runners, I won't run unless, I won't race unless I'm at a certain point. Yeah, I'm like that. I don't enjoy that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We could go back to that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, another, the big thing is, again, the 24-hour thing. It's like, it's the consistency. Yes. It's a journey. I can't say it enough. It's it's over time, and, and like this stuff. Like that's why four years in college or high school is so big. Like that's four years of development. Yeah. Think about that. Like these people are running for eight months before a marathon. Then they either stop. They never started in the beginning, so they never started running a five k. There's no progression for a lot of people now. Mm-hmm. Um, not now, but like when they become adult runners, that progression isn't taught. So that development is so huge. Mm-hmm. Like I learned all these things, but it was over like six years, yeah. six, seven, eight. I'm still learning. So it's like eight years of learning. You know, people are committing to something again because of, you know, I would love to say the capitalist machine that exists and gets people to run and these bucket list things, which is wonderful, but they're not, there's no journey. I mean, there's a journey. It's small though. You know, it's an experience. They're running for the experience but not for that kind of like development as a runner and becoming that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be lost in the, in that shuffle. It's interesting because that was why I ran my first marathon was for the experience. But in the process of having the experience, I was like, Ooh, there's definitely something here. Mm-hmm. There's more surfaces to be scratched. And so then I became the repeat marathoner. And then in the repeat marathoning was like, Oh right. wait, maybe the, by the half marathon, which is still exhausting. And <laughs> yeah. It's all exhausting no matter what distance uh-huh. you're doing. Um, Do you think that it discourages or encourages more people? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Are I there mean, more ands or are there more bobs who decide to like, after that they kind of like are like, I'm done with the marathon? I may argue that there are more ands. I think most people run and then their immediate reactions always, <laughs> I am never <laughs> fucking doing this again. Yeah, yeah. I have and that. then... 
I don't know if maybe there is. I but I think ninety percent of them the next day are like, I think I can do better on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to your point, better on this is better on this as a marathoner still, mm-hmm. right there. Kind of there is no one to kind of be like, hey, great, actually you did pretty good. <laughs> Have you you can actually looking at you and how you run and what you know in how you did in your training someone to tell them be like you should really go for a 10k or like a 5k right i think that gets lost in it and even if somebody did that i have a feeling the capitalistic experience of what the marathon is fed with it would be like no 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 i'm not interested in that that's so right. short that's so easy i do that all in my sleep right now i'm like not yeah. not to the best of your ability right <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah, I mean, I think, and also back to, and now that I think about it a little bit more, and back to your question about how I know the pace, I know the pace because I worked out and did workouts for a five-mile race. Like, mm-hmm. if those workouts, like mile repeats, mm-hmm. countless mile repeats, countless 400, 16 by 400, 12 by 400, mm-hmm. literally every Tuesday for three months, and then back to wor- these workouts, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Because that's where you're, that's where you get so, you get, I know exactly when I get on the track how to run a 70 second 400 every time I can run a 75 every time mm-hmm. for hundreds of times. I'm not kidding. I could get on the track and run a set. I know exactly where I need to be, where my body feels like, because I've done yeah. literally hundreds of 75s, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I've done hundreds of, you know, it's been like 75, 74, 72, 70. I can do a progression workout on the track any day and know exactly when I'm running because I've done it so much and that like is what's i think lost it can be lost it's like getting to the point where you are so comfortable with like i know what these i know what my my i know what feeling comfortable doing mile repeats is and then i can be like when i go into a marathon i can be like i know how i'm gonna progress through this Mm -hmm. so i think that's a big piece of how i know that i'm gonna like when i'm like oh i'm gonna run 120 it's because the workouts i've done it's like, oh, you know, I ran this in a workout. It's like, yeah. okay, I know, I know where I'm at. And that progression is like, gets me to that point. And that the cool. overarching concept of effort is that takes a while. It takes a long time. It takes a while to understand like, oh, okay, <clears throat> this is really a level six. Like, that's what I mean mm-hmm. for me. And I, I'm still struggling with that. I yeah. still find It's them, hard. Right? Like, there, there's so many variables that go into that. You're like, oh, okay, yesterday, the same exact pace, same terrain felt seven today feels four and then the next day it's back to something else um but i feel that comes with so much experience like you have to do it over and over and over again at different you know train for different things and try to figure out what what you as a runner you know can tell about how you feel at a certain pace and how it changes for you all right i have a very contentious topic to bring up at least what i found to be contentious shoes. how do you guys feel about shoes no i don't know i don't care about the shoes uh, um the shoes are comfortable whatever works for you uh, gps watches mm-hmm. how do you guys feel about gps watches um that's a good question i think that they're good training tools but i also have had some of my best race experiences when i either can't look at it or it didn't work mm-hmm. so I think that it, it's helpful to equate pace and effort as a new runner like that might be helpful mm-hmm. but I think it can also be a hindrance I remember one time I was racing and I noticed that my split was a lot faster than I was expecting and it freaked me out 
and I backed off when maybe I didn't need to back off. It was the number, not the effort that was afraid, that was scary to me. Um, so I think if used with like a loose hand, they're good tools, but I think also people can get really obsessed about it. Like I'm not one of those people that will go run the extra point two just so my watch says an even number. Like that's, yeah. I don't, don't believe in that. I'll, I think when I first came back from my injury, okay, <laughs> busted, like, when I first came back from my injury, I was I like know. wanted to get to like 30 mile week. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's, it's just a tool, like, just like anything else, like, if you're using it and it's helping you, fine, but I, I find people get really tied to it, and I work in technology, and I know how inaccurate GPS technology is all the time, so you don't even, a lot of times you don't even know what you're exactly getting. Yeah. I have become a huge fan of running by the clock, rather, and mm -hmm. running on the track with a known distance is so much you know, like I can go back and repeat that over and over and over again, um, which has its own downfalls for the same <laughs> left turn over and over again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, in my opinion, it's, you know, it's just a tool as long as you don't get tied to it. Uh, once again, if there's nobody coaching you and you're just running with a group and nobody's kind of forcing you to be like, I want you to not look at this today. You can wear it, but kind of just run by feel. What your what is your marathon effort right now? Can you run that for six miles? Unless you know, you tell me what you're gonna average. Can you do that? Um, if you haven't, and that comes with so much experience, you won't be able to do that without the watch because it almost becomes this like spastic thing that people have to do. They have to keep looking at their watch to be like, am I still on this pace? What about now? <laughs> it's been three seconds. How about now? Um, so like, you you see this during like we're in a race and yeah. all the time, yeah. Um, and just like Anne, like it, it depends on, you know, I, <laughs> two years ago I got injured, uh, during my Berlin marathon training cycle and I did about 80% of the training on the elliptical. So all I had to go on was effort. I couldn't like, because I converted all the workouts to efforts on the elliptical. So the day of the marathon, I left the watch at home and I just was like, Oh, I, I think I know what it's going to feel like. And it was pretty cool to see, like, I landed in the range that I thought, essentially, I was going to, on the lower end of it, but I landed where I thought I was going to land. So, um, yeah. How do you yeah. feel about... I hate them. <laughs> yeah. I hate them. Because? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're a trackster. <laughs> I hate them. Yeah. I think they're the worst things that happen to runners. Oh. Since because? Bread. Yeah. <sighs> So many reasons. Yeah. No, I um, I have been, I have been persuaded to think that maybe they can be used as tools, just as much as I. But this is how I feel about that. You keep saying that you're tr the you guys are having an inherent trust in people to not utilize a tool poorly. It's like how I feel about social media, but it's the same kind of thing. I pretty much hate social media, but. And, and I think a big piece of that is because you're like, oh, like I can totally monitor how I handle my behavior with this thing that is literally programmed to make you do something. It's like, that's the whole point of social media apps, right? It's like kind of like McDonald's French fries before McDonald's, you know, it's like you, same kind of thing. It's like they were like, okay, we know that you guys, that your bodies will intake salt and want to eat more French fries. We know this. We're going to make that. They're... Instagram, the Snapchats of the world are doing that mm -hmm. with our egotistical, our like, 
insanely ego-driven beings that we are, and they're just taking advantage of that. So I feel, as somebody who actually enjoys Strava, I think it's I think it's a better tool than those. That being said, I think GPS watches are really bad for runners. I think because, and one of it, and part of the reason is what we've been talking about, like is that we get into the point where people are training before they're in shape. Sort of like, like mm-hmm. y- you should just be running a lot yeah. with a watch. Yeah, and so what happens is, but the reason that I'm so against it is not because of any physical reason or workout reason. It's because it's so mental. So mental. And part of it is because of that, like, you need understanding to run slow on easy days is way easier when you're not looking at your watch. Like, there is no that. If I went out and run an easy run, and I run between 7.20 and 7.45 pace for me, there's no difference. The aerobic difference, there's nothing, mm-hmm. literally nothing. And so if I look at my watch, not only that, I will get upset and start running <laughs> 6.55 pace. Yeah. There's literally negative, there's negative value in me running 6.45 pace or 6.55 pace mm-hmm. in a, on an easy run because you're wasting energy. You're like dipping into that aerobic capacity that you'd have without, without when you're building up the aerobic, but then when you get to race time, it hurts you. Mm-hmm. So what happens, I find, is that when you present somebody with a tool like an instrument like that and you trust them, they often, it messes with you mentally. It also makes it hard to run longer, I find, because what happens is when you have time, you're just like, I'm just going to go. And I'm going to run easy and just go, and then I'll feel how I feel. And when I stop, I stop, and I'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. And the other way, you're always planning on, like, I remember when I – because, again, it, I mean, I also have propensity to be upset about this because during that junior year of my college, I did use a Garmin. Mm-hmm. And it really messed with me mentally because I would – like, I'm going to go run 11 today instead of being like, I'm just going to run for 80 minutes. And what I run is what I run. Because the miles don't matter at all. Mm-hmm. They're so insignificant. But we've just conditioned ourselves to think that they matter. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that if people went back to the basics and started with, like, I buy a Casio watch on, on Amazon for $10. I have to buy, like, four of them because I lose them all the time. But I, I use them. cheaper than a Garmin. But that's what way I do. Cheaper. Yeah. And then you go map it out after. You go map yeah. out your miles after, which is also incorrect, by the way. Yeah. When you go to map my run, those are wrong, too. Yeah. It's all wrong. So if you just can, and it, but more the mental aspect of the GPS. The GPS gets you thinking about things that don't matter. They think, make you think about the miles. They make you think about where you're at. It's about how you feel. Then instead of focusing on how you feel, you end up focusing on like, well, am I running the right pace? Yeah, without even realizing. Without, just keep looking at the watch. Yeah. And keep looking at the watch, just like everybody opens Instagram 20 million times a day, mm-hmm. even though they're, oh, this isn't a problem. Like, I'm not looking at this. It's yeah. not affecting yeah. me. But it is. There is, an, a, there is some kind of psychological effect, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I have been talked down to believe that it can be a useful tool, but I still think that the tool itself has inherent problems given that it takes advantage of like these human conditions that really affect a runner, and you don't realize how it affects And I actually think those people are still wrong because they're into the GPS and they don't understand it, mm-hmm. and it doesn't allow them to understand how they feel and when they run. Yeah, do but you still think... So with with the with social media, there is a direct intention to make you do that, right? So there, 
they have designed everything to kind of right. give you a dopamine hit on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Even the choice of the red circle and the notification in psychology shows that it's it, it's going to affect you more than any other color. That's why all notifications are in, right. a, in a red circle. Do you think GPS watches were intended with a similar purpose? Yes. Yeah. 100%. I, I, I don't... I do think so. Okay. I'd maybe not. Hmm. There, any product that's created in this in this world is created to be used consistently mm-hmm. and over and over again until it breaks and you buy a new one. I don't know. I don't. I think that there are inherent. I think there was inherent belief that it was created to be used again and used over and over again, and that's a piece of it. I think people realized at some point that if you could see the miles on your watch, you'd be more willing to buy the product. Um, and it would convince people that they would, that it was worth it. I don't know. I have to think about it a little bit more to be honest. Okay. I don't know if I really appreciate like what I just said there, but, um, but yeah, no, that's all right. That's a very good point. I'm very interested in that, right? Like it's a simple fact of like, Oh, here's a problem. People keep complaining that they can't they have to go back and spend a lot of time to figure out how much they ran in their 80 minutes to your point doesn't matter i ran 80 minutes right coach said run this much and this is what i felt like but now all of a sudden you've introduced something that can give people some kind of feedback that can attach them to something that's on their wrist and then on top of that you add pace to it well now you know exactly how fast you're going um so I mean it's it's a very interesting debate like what yeah. what is it meant for um but uh there's there's definitely a psychological satisfaction to say hey about to hit 20 miles and I actually did 20 miles today and then add all of that up and then compare it to how the other people did and that's that, that's where the social aspect comes in again yeah. so there's definitely that need to make you be addicted to the watch and then keep using it, be addicted to the tools outside of that, right? Even mm-hmm. not just that, but all the social tools outside of that. So I think that's yeah. very interesting. I think it, it becomes a coach's responsibility to how how potentially not have the athlete get distracted from that and maybe use the tool for the sole purpose of the, what it kind of should serve in right. terms of like how time and analyze what your next training should be instead of getting tied to it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Should we do a training tip? I feel like the whole uh, episode. Yeah. Okay, no, no, we you're should. like a gold mine. So, <laughs> uh, at the end of our episodes, we ask our guests to give our listeners a training tip. If there was just like one training tip. Oh my god, training You've tip! Given us so many. Oof. One training tip. <laughs> I feel like I want to really jump on the GPS train. <laughs> 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 um, we get it when I can. Um, <laughs> one training tip. Uh, I would just be. Um, I would just say try to be as conscious as you can of, like, a few things when you run. Like, just try to be conscious of your breathing and that you're running. I know it sounds really weird, but it took me a really long time to get used to. Um, It's just, like, being conscious of your body while you're running. It's something that's really challenging, but if you – and you don't really – it's like when you do – when you do push-ups and you're, like, you you stop breathing – you're like, and you don't realize you're not breathing. You do that when you're running as well, yes. but people don't notice it. I think I told you this yes, a while ago. <laughs> it's like you don't realize it. You're not breathing. You're, it's not that you're not breathing. You're just not focusing on your breathing. Mm-hmm. And so, focusing on your breathing is super important. 
And especially because people don't think about it. They're like, I'm just doing this and I'm breathing. So why would I think about it? But thinking about it changes everything. Yeah. Like it changes everything. So focus on your breathing when you're running and be like in and out, just like you do in yoga. You know, and it gets harder when you get stressed, mm-hmm. but it's so important because it's, it's like stays, you stay focused. So I think that's probably my biggest tip is just try to like be conscious while you're running. It's something that it's really challenging and hard and people don't do. They yeah. don't think about it. That is great because a lot of times people have tried to do the opposite, right? Like put on music, try to look away and like not focus on this and try to forget it. You're like, no, actually, if you do the other way around, it's much better. I'm very against the music too. I'm I'm not, I'm very I'm old, old school. school. Yeah, yeah cool. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it is distracting, yeah. Yeah, you don't focus on your, uh, you run too fast. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. You start running too fast because you're not focused on your pace. I run, when I do, you know, on music and I used to do music, that's, that's when I did that music and I would run so fast. Because like, you don't think about it. You're like, I'm going. Yeah, so totally. awesome. You're just rolling. <laughs> Keep up the tempo. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> or if running with a friend and you're talking about like hot topics. Oh, my God. Like, the pace picks up. You get going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. This thank was excellent. Yeah. Thank you for giving, giving us all this time. This was really good. Of course. Yeah. That. Thank yeah. you both for having me. I all hope right. it was um, worthwhile <laughs> talking Absolutely. to a post-collegiate really, runner. Really great. Really yeah. great. Uh, I think we got a little taste of your so it makes sense <laughs> if that's what you study. <laughs> a little bit. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Appreciate it. See you in two weeks. See ya.